and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for 2019. Now, a couple of years ago, and it was almost our anniversary, I'm not going to shame him, there was a man who was somewhere between heaven and hell. You could say he was actually in purgatory. Um, but he wasn't a man that you should ever underestimate because <laughs> he came to talk to us about his Kickstarter campaign. And that man was Gary Devereaux. And Gary Devereaux was from Underestimated Games. And Gary Devereaux brought Purgatory Minis to life through the realms of Kickstarter. But he's back. And just like any good sequel, he's got, it's like a buddy cop movie. Because it's not just Gary, it's also a gentleman from Paranoid Miniatures Games. It's Mark Brown as well. So they're going to be wisecracking back and forward tonight, providing the entertainment so I don't have to do anything because, you know, I'm just having a rest because it's been a long day and I'm a bit tired. But hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good evening, sir. How are you? Very, very good indeed. I've not, I've not had the pleasure of speaking to you before. Obviously, I've spoken so much to Gary. He's now an official kind of repeat offender. In fact, he's potentially um, kind of out on parole as you would say. Um, <clears throat> so come, about that. <laughs> he just likes his prison food. Um, you've got a Kickstarter coming. Well, you've got, it's weird. You've got two Kickstarters coming at kind of exactly the same time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, what that's all about and what's that's happening? Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you saw me point. You saw me point. That's cheating. Uh, good, good evening, everybody. Um, I saw your point. <laughs> yes, we do have a uh, Kickstarters coming. Well, two Kickstarters coming. Um, Mark and I have been friends for a very long time. And um, mm-hmm. we... Yeah, we were, we were talking about um, how hard it was to get involved with Kickstarters these days, especially as you're a small company. So we were just chewing the fat, innovating on a long car journey. We do it quite often where one's driving to one end of the country and I'm driving to the other. And we just come up with the hairbrown idea of perhaps creating a bit of a bridge between the two worlds um, to help, you know, bring a different focus of attention to it and create something dynamic that people hadn't seen before, perhaps. Okay. Was it, I mean, what's for you since you were on the show, have you seen like a radical change in kind of like Kickstarter since you, since you did the Purgatory Minis kind of Kickstarter? I think there's a, a little change. I think when Kickstarter, when, when games first started merging on Kickstarter, everybody sort of set themselves a budget to spend and just said, we're going to buy all this stuff. And I think, what happened is there's the natural cycle where when everyone bought everything, they bought lots and lots and lots of things. And then in consecutive months, a year later, they all turned up. Um, and we then basically, um, I think, I think people realized they actually they had a huge collection of games and didn't know what to do with them or had time to play with them. Yeah. And, and a huge number of models to either glue paint or, or play with. And I think that just naturally slowed it down. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but that that seems to correlate with what's happened, in my view. We, as Gary said, we we um, attend a lot of shows together as well. We being two sort of uh, indie companies, so we're always looking at ways that we can help each other out. Um, and going to shows together, sharing tables. We obviously, you know, one of the great things about that is you get to talk to a lot of people, you know, over the course of a day and, you know, Kickstarter mm-hmm. invariably comes up as a subject of conversation for people. And certainly the vibe we're getting, you know, this is no hard and fast market survey we've done or anything like that, but the advent of Kickstarter as a pre-sale or pre-order, um, yeah. you know, with, with, with companies sort of going to it with, fairly polished and finished products, um, you know, has caused people to take a sort of second look at it, I think. And you know, Gary's right in regards to sort of the, the amount of stuff that people get, um, you know, 12 months, 18 months, two years, three years later. Um, I think it's just caused people to have another look at it as a, as a platform and 
is it working for them? You know, and every, you know, obviously everybody's individual with that and makes their own choices. You know. In terms of like with you is going to be involved in the miniatures game. Do you think that's hurt you maybe a little bit more than other people? Because one of the big every time I see a huge campaign, there seems to be like. 90 or 100 minis are practically bragging that you know you could live off these minis for the rest of your life if you bought a couple of boxes so do you think that's created a false economy in terms of the of how much it costs a miniature to actually get made they've kind of turned it into kind of like made it a false economy where you're coming in and people are saying well that's that's maybe that's more expensive than what I would get if I backed like a Simon game or something like that instead. Right, I think that um, it's something something that happened to us quite a few times where people would would ask us about the model count per pound, um, mm. and and we kind of looked at it and you know we we create both of us actually um, we create resin models they're quite detailed. Mm. Um, we get fantastic quality comments about it whenever we go to shows. People say the quality is excellent, the details good. Mm. They really like our models, and we've seen them being painted by you know some prominent painters out there. I'm not sure if the same can be said for some of the models that you do get ten thousand of in a one pound box. Yeah. I'm being I'm being facetious, but you get my you get my point. I mean, it's no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's they are made of a different product. You can bend them in half. They are designed, yeah. I think. And, and quite rightly so, to be picked up on a board and thrown across the table because people won't paint them because they can't paint ten thousand models um, yeah. unless unless they are you know currently unemployed. But I just think that uh, it has created a bit of a false economy. And I think the other thing that we noticed as well, and and I think people picked up on it, was that the three D render was always being shown by other companies to say this is what the model's going to look like this is how cool it is this is how detailed it is how sharp it is yeah and then people said can you just show us what a cast looks like because the cast doesn't usually look like the 3d master yeah so i think people yeah. have wised up i think people have wised up they they know what they value and yeah i think i saw something earlier like on um last week or the week before and um i think it was court of the dead and I saw Court of the Dead was like um, it was like a it was a, a kind of a, a bit of a it was a success last year. They did a decent amount of money, and they they did the same thing. They were showing kind of like the three D renders of the miniatures, and then what they've done recently is they've released some actual production versions of the miniatures. And in all honesty, it was like lighting the blue touch paper mm-hmm. and just stepping back because. Um, there's not been a lot of kind words about the end results on the miniatures. And I don't know if that was because they had up until now kind of shown nothing but the renders, um, the 3D rendering. I don't know if they'd actually shown a realistic one. And of course, it doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't affect the gameplay because it's a board game as opposed yeah. to a miniatures kind of skirmish yeah. game. So it could kind of be plastic counters for, you know, and they put the miniatures in because in order, obviously, it's one of these things that if it does help with the funding on Kickstarter, it can help you push you into six figures. But I think people were expecting, um, I think they said from the company that was producing it, um, they were expecting kind of kind of more. So I think, you know, I think you're, I think you're right. I think it's managing, maybe expect kind of managing the kind of expectations. I know this is going to sort of sound counterproductive, but you know, for, for some um, projects, you know, you, you can be too successful. You, you can reach a sort of critical mass yeah. of of having to make design choices, which means you have to go to alternative um, routes for production. You know, if you were to um, have a Kickstarter, and you, you're right in what you say in regards to most of these uh, bigger. Um, model counts come from from board games, but if you yeah. you know if you're successful and do you know let's say a million pounds on Kickstarter for a board game, um, that's a lot of models to produce. You, yeah. you're not you're, you're not going to go to your local caster, resin caster, or, or metal caster, whoever you've been using. You know, at that point, you're having to turn to 
probably Asia and China for, for your production. Um, yeah. uh, and that's where not everybody, but some of, you know, that's where the, the quality issues can creep in. Um, and you look at the renders and then you compare the production models and sometimes they're mm-hmm. the same thing. Whereas, you know, both paranoid and, and underestimated, we, we use, you know, the, the best casters that we've, that we can. You know, they're considered, you know, we, we both use different companies, but they're both considered, you know, top of the game when it comes to casting. Um, mm-hmm. but in all honesty, you know, you, you're not going to be able to cast 60,000 models, uh, you know, or 70,000 models, you know, with, with that type of, um, that type of casting. You could, but it's going to just take you a long time. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I think there's something, I think there's something else as well, Richard, I just want to touch on is that it's about communication. If you communicate to, I think people forget we're a business, but we are individuals. We're not corporate companies. You know, we mm-hmm. have a huge amount of experience in day job that we can apply to what we do. Um, but that experience is typically limited. It's not about how we, you know, run a massive company. Communication mm-hmm. is, is paramount. I think people forget that actually, okay, we, you put a time frame in. So let's say we've put January next year. That can move as long as you tell people it can move and you explain why. I think people yeah. sometimes make decisions uh, in, in perhaps worried about what could happen if they don't meet their timescales. They, they think, oh, we're going to fail here. Yeah. So we better make a decision that could lead to a different type of failure or a different type of frustration. So it's it's hard really to, I suppose, balance it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we've heard, obviously, Gary's been on the show a couple of times now, but Mark, do you want to, do you want to maybe kind of, I don't know, kind of blow your own trumpet and tell us a little bit about, you well, know, do, yourself? Do you want the 30-second pitch, the three-minute pitch, or the 30-minute Well, I'm just going to say how you, how, you got <laughs> involved, how you got involved with this miscreant sitting next to you, basically. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I've got to go back a few decades. Um I, I first ran into young Malado here at a games workshop um, shop in Ipswich. Um, I'd, I'd recently got back into the hobby after a bit of a hiatus with females and married life and, or, you know, children, mm-hmm. etc. and was looking for a hobby to do in the evenings. And um, I'd, I'd been into gaming previously and I, I went back into a GW in Ipswich and picked up some death company back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. started, started playing at the local store, as you do. GW reeled me right in with the Blood Angels. <laughs> um, and, oh, God, what edition was that? Probably third. Third, third, third edition. edition. Fourth, maybe. Um, and, yeah, uh, they, they, the store at the time um, used to run sort of vets nights and stuff like that. So I started playing there, building up my army slowly and crushed every every time I played. Um, and, and, Gary, and Gary sort of similar thing, I think, started, started picking up, um, unfortunately, the space balls, but we never held that against him. It's not his fault, bless him. Um, <laughs> somebody's got a plan. Fairies, fairies river. Um, and, we, and we just got a chat, you know, a couple of nights and, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we've got quite a similar sense of humours. Um, I'm a little bit older than Gary. So I'm more than <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's like a fall and the sound bar goes all the way up to bright red and um yeah we 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 we, we started playing uh on the vets nights and um gw at the time i think were moving weren't they and uh no we were going to a gaming club um back in the day um and that sort of um it died a death for a bit, and one night we sat around and said, "Actually, I think we could put a gaming club together, didn't we?" And we, we put a gaming club together in Ipswich, and that was uh, we ran that for about I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years, something like that. Yeah, we did Legion, uh, Legion, um, and you know we we're playing you know typical gamers. We we're playing everything under the sun. Um, in the midst of all that, I went to my first salute and went, "Oh my god, you can, then, what, you can play other games, not just forty k and fantasy. There's other games out there." Um, and I think I spent <laughs> about 400 quid on my first salute on like Malifaux stuff and warm halls yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Um, and it's just, it's, it's like just, the Blues Brothers, isn't it? Kind of yeah. like we've got both types of music, country and western. 
<laughs> it was exactly like that. I mean, I just, I will never forget my first salute, just going in there and going, holy moly, what is all this? Um, and it's just, yeah, I mean, we, we've just been taking a piss out of each other ever since, to be honest with you. Pretty much. We've, we've built some cool stuff as well. Like, um, we, we used to, we made all the scenery for Legion and we made coliseums and massive great boards and all sorts of stuff. We've done everything really. It's quite fun. Yeah. We're- Oh, yeah. Yeah, we ruined the blinds. <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, we were dry brushing and painting some scenery for Legion and turned around one night uh-huh. after about two hours worth of painting, looked at the brand new beige blinds that had black paint splattered all over them. Yeah, that was a fun conversation. Who did, who did you blame it on? Or did Gary, you just of course. Kind of, did I'll you get the blame for everything. I'll get the blame for everything. But how how did you move from, how did you, I mean, was being in the club together and doing stuff and painting the scenery, did that encourage you to go in to do stuff with Paranoid yourself then, Mark? Was that, was that kind of your I, direction with that? This is going to sound really corny, but, you know, they say that everybody's got a book inside them. Well, I think, now, from a gamer's perspective, everybody's got a game that they were inside them that they would like to create. Not everybody, but a yeah. lot of people. I used to do a heck of a lot of driving for my day job. Um, mm. So, you know, I'd be in the car for six or seven hours over the course of the day. And as I was driving around, um, I'd always been a massive fan of HP Lovecraft and um, the whole mythos, the Call of Cthulhu type role playing, and more importantly, the, the novels. Um, the, the whole world and the sort of 1920s setting, um, the sort of, um, complete madness and insanity of, of the great old ones and, and, mm-hmm. uh, all the old, you know, so they, they, that, that whole genre was, was one of my sort of first loves. And after going to Salute and seeing all the sort of games that were around there, I, I sort of saw there wasn't really a, a game that was at the time. Um, it was based upon sort of a skirmish version of that. So in my head, I started to sort of, you know, formulate and make, make notes and got a little notepad and started writing things down. Um, and eventually that sort of turned into, into mythos. Um, some other guys came involved in it and we started to work through it and design it and put it together. All gamers, all loads of experience. And yeah, that's where, that's where Paranoid sprang out of. And, you know, mythos, the skirmish game was born out of that. Yeah, I mean, you ran your cat was it um you ran your campaign for Mythos that was um how how long ago was that? Was that a couple of years ago that you did that from That was from Mythos? three years ago now. Um wow. and we actually went live on the same day as we were at Salute. Um we wow, just okay. <laughs> yeah. um seemed like a good idea at the time. Um because we thought we've got, you know, a, quite a captive audience and there was, there would be a lot of word of mouth. It did, it did, you know, it did give us a good springboard into the campaign. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and we, we done a, a sort of standard 30 day campaign trying to bring the, the factions to life. Um, uh, we did, we did pretty well. Kickstarter, we funded, um, and managed to get enough money to, to create the factions we wanted to. Um, we'd done something a little bit different at the time as well, that uh, there was a one faction that we had left that didn't quite unlock as a stretch goal, which was the Order of the Enlightened Path. Um, mm-hmm. What we said to people is if we if we raise enough funds in, in backer kit, um, we would unlock those essentially as another stretch goal in backer kit, um, which we didn't think had been done before. So we we done that and we unlocked. So we got all all of the um, all of the factions unlocked, and then we went into full production mode and. Um, We'd had sculptors. In, we obviously had sculptors in place. We had 3D uh, printers in place. Uh, we were using the company for production, and um, I am proud to say that we delivered on time and in full to everybody. And we gave people a little bit extra stuff as well as along the way. So yeah, we were, we were really chuffed with the way that ended up. At the time, was that kind of like? I mean, it's as a miniatures kind of skirmish game as being kind of like your first game. That must have been a bit of a, a cool sense of achievement to take something from an idea. Because as you say, a lot of people have an idea of a game kind of inside them, but you took it kind of all the way, all the kind of the way through. And as we yeah. said previously, the miniatures market is, is such a competitive yeah. 
kind of market. Um, have and you did like what Gary did with like the yeah. pledge manager. Yeah. I remember yeah. Gary saying that the pledge manager for yourself actually helped with the purgatory kind of mini campaign. Kind of afterwards, actually helped you to to I guess give you a little bit more financial stability. Um, then you were you know you were you you had to accept a kind of a different level at the time, and the pledge manager allowed you to guarantee that you were definitely kind of go go and deliver on that which is which is kind of cool um do you i mean with it being kind of you both being involved in the kind of the miniatures games how important is it to keep the kind of the community going behind those games to keep people playing i mean have you both been kind of releasing kind of additional content additional kind of um campaigns changes to stats and stuff like that is that stuff that you both you've both been doing for your for your individual kind of projects we've both got a facebook group uh mark's got we are hidden ones and yeah. i've got fans of purgatory um, and yeah. there's a couple hundred members in each i think from, yeah. from understanding uh-huh. yeah. and we release things through there it's a, it's a sounding board for people to talk to us about stuff what they find i think we're both very receptive if people come up with um, problems, we've got mm. a character, for example, in Purgatory called Small Daniels, and mm. we had to. We, he has a move called the Wizard Sleeve, and we had to clarify what happens if, for example, the idea is that you can pick a character up and place them up the sleeve, and he disappears mm. and he can't be targeted. Um, we had to clarify, for example, what happens if Small Daniels should die when someone's up his sleeve and we said, well, he's, he's dead. No one's going to bring him back. But you know, mm. we've, we've done that. Um, and we've created at purgatory. We've created short stories. Mark's created the sea queen campaign. So mm-hmm. we've tried as best we can to try and give additional content. Um, at purgatory, we created a model in the last year outside of Kickstarter called yeah. Moloch. He was the angel version of the big monitor that we released at Kickstarter. And, mm-hmm. It's the, the the demand for him has been overwhelming actually, um, and it, and it's been quite good. It's given us a little bit of a, a bit of a pep, a bit of a you know, spring in our step to say actually, you know, people do value these. I mean, it even I mean, what was brilliant for me, and I I didn't know it happened until lots of people have got in touch with me. But there's a chap called Volomir that appears, and he picks his most interesting models of any given week, and he picked that model up and said, "I like this one," and it appeared in his blog. And, you know, that's quite wow. an achievement. And I didn't know. I just got all these congratulations come through on message. I thought, what the hell is this for? And then I looked into it and I couldn't believe that we'd been included. So we've both had really good success in seeing models at shows and being painted and displayed. So the miniatures game is, is a hard one. We're, we're up against um, lots of different styles, lots of different themes, busts, large scale, you know, Things like a boutique, uh, the likes of Kingdom Death, for example, they're all in the same yes. realm. So yeah. we've, I think we've picked, I don't know, I don't know how wisely we have picked, but I've gone for a heaven and an earth kind of feel, and Mark's gone on the Cthulhu side of things. So we've we've picked a genre and a niche that that might separate us out from everything else and give us our own space to breathe, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that, yeah. Pick it up on the point of the, you know, the community. Um, I think it's a hundred percent lifeblood for companies like, um, you know, us and, and, and um, and underestimated having yeah. a, um, you know, for want of a better phrase, a fan base or people that are really into your game, um, is, um, as important as anything else we do. Um, you know, to, so having people out there that are going to, be able to demo it for us um and you know we me and gary are involved in a in a, in a, a facebook group called gotham to samaria um there's there's loads of guys on there that, that have picked both of our, our game sets up and are running with it in, in fact you know a few months ago i, I woke up one weekend sort of sunday morning and realized there was a, quite a few orders that had come from overnight and i found out from there that uh, a guy had been demoing mythos at uh, one of their events and obviously People liked it. I didn't know nothing. About, I didn't know anything about it at the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
you know, and all of a sudden I'm getting orders in and, you know, we're, and all of a sudden we're chatting and, you know, we've built up some really good friendships with the guys on there. And, you know, that, that type of thing, um, really, really does help, um, you know, our cause. Let me give you an example of that, yeah. Richard. Um, this, this, yeah. just, this weekend just gone, those guys at Gotham Samaria, they had a, they had a playtesting weekend. They just go, they drink beer, they play games, they introduce people to it. And I just sent them a pack up and said, look, I can't make it, you know, have a go at it. And it's on me, yeah. kind of thing. And, but they came back with some fantastic feedback. And so there were a couple of the characters that they tried and they used and they used them in unique circumstances. And, and actually I could see where they were coming from and they just said, look, we think this is a bit punchier. We think this is a bit weak. What do you reckon? And I mean, I must have sat on the, on the, on, you know, on the group chat with them for a good sort of two or three hours and chatted it through with them. I said, look, mm. you know, as, as they were playing, I was giving them solutions to try during the game and bless them. They tried them and actually we've made some tweaks with the back of their feedback. So, it is invaluable because we can play as many games as we want. We we play the characters in the style that, that we believe they're designed to be played, but but naturally people like you or anyone else will play them differently. And and you can't always consider everyone else's perspective and, and we value that so much. I was gonna say, I think if you introduce somebody who's been used to a certain system of playing and then put you know, if they're a games workshop folk, you know, and you put them downside kind of like in front of your you know, in front of purgatory, I think they'll they'll be out of their comfort zone, so they'll maybe try something that they would normally try with a GW kind of rule set. And I think sometimes it works and sometimes you get something kinda of new kind of new and new and kind of interesting kind of off the back of that, which is always which is always kinda of cool. I think um, one of the things that Gary mentioned, um, just that will give you an insight into what sort of stuff we do. You know, we the Sea Queen campaign was something that we promised um, backers when we when we done our um, Kickstarter, but it was mm-hmm. something that we wanted to spend. We didn't want to rush it. We didn't want to just get something out there for the sake of saying we'd done it. We wanted to release a yeah. product um, that we knew that we could use the same similar or same mechanics going forward in other campaigns. Um, and with the Sea Queen campaign, we spent hours upon hours upon hours of designing it, putting it together, having it graphically designed. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a free download on our website. We've never charged for it. But it's a campaign mm-hmm. that you can play, um, you know, repeatedly. There are elements within it that are completely random. So just because you play for it once is not um, the end of it. You can play for it again and again. And, you know, me, me and Gary have played through campaigns for things like Necromunda, Mordheim, you know, all those types of things, Blood Bowl, where you get people that, um, you know, two or three games in, you know, what's the point in playing anymore because, you know, they're going to steamroll me. Um, whereas the campaign we've designed, there's none of that. You, you, right until the last minute, you can, you can effectively win the campaign. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen my, my son, interestingly enough, who, um, He's kind of gotten into Warhammer 40,000 recently. Um, we are trying to do something about that. Um, <laughs> but um, I've seen, we do have the questions of like, well, how did you get on? And it's like, well, I've set up my army in such a way so that if I do this action, this action, and this action, I can basically get through like the first two rounds and then wipe out everybody else because I've kind of got the tactics down um, and that's not something that appeals to me I kind of like a slow almost mm. like a nice war of attrition that can kind of change back and forward kind of all the way through I was playing um, I was playing giant killer robots heavy, GKR heavy hitters which is like oh, way, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. way to workshop one yeah. and um, <clears throat> at the base rules kind of way that you're just kind of like you're getting line of sight and you're doing kind of alley shots and you're kind of picking a weapon and shooting at folk. It's quite pedestrian but then as you tag buildings and you demolish buildings you get kind of sponsor cards and what that allows you to do is it allows you to actually start to mess with other people's setup. so you can play a card, a sponsor card at a certain part in a game and what that does is that you know, um, stops that person from using a certain type of weapon or slows them down or makes them actually move more spaces. 
And in some cases, when you move your heavy hitter, if every time you move a space, you burn up energy. So you're forcing somebody to move a couple of extra spaces instead of the normal ones. So they're actually burning up the energy that they have for that round. So they can't kind of fire, fire the weapon. So I like the kind of the back and forward. If I'm going into a battle, I don't want to know, you know, it's like, as I say, Magic the Gathering, when you get somebody who's set up their hand so that if they play this card, then that's it. You might as well just pack up and, and kind of go, kind of go home. Um, yeah. With you having, with you having the kind of the, the tighter knit community, has that allowed you guys to kind of experiment then with rule sets and things like that? Interestingly enough, you, you hit on something I want to talk about anyway. Uh, mm. We've we've created some so purgatory have created something this time around. So we had so many people that liked the game first time around that just don't like competitive play. It's a new thing. I'm mm. not sure I necessarily understand mm. it, but I, but I do. I'm getting getting there, and they want to be able to play um, alongside friends and, and have a sort of collaborative goal or collective goal towards something. So we've created um, a cooperative mode for our game. And, and, and it's exactly what you've said there. There's, there's two modes to it. So the, the way that it works is that for, for each character now, you'll get an encounter card. Mm-hmm. And so you get the stat cards. You can play that in the skirmish game, but you get an encounter card, and that accompanies your model. And then what you do is you put all of your encounter cards into a deck, shuffle them, and you and your friend mm-hmm. pick two cards, pick a card each. Mm-hmm. And you turn it over, and that's the model you start with. That is your gang. You've started your gang. So there's like a there's a theme to it as well. And then what you do is you then say, okay, this is our gang. This is who we are. Let's draw the mm-hmm. first card. And you draw a card, and then you have to complete that encounter together. Mm-hmm. And, All right, okay. And the idea is that you complete five encounters together. You either win or lose them. And then you go off and you find an encounter boss. And you're doing all right. it all together. And actually, it means you can do it on your own as well if you really want to. Yeah, um, yeah, there's nothing, yeah. nothing to say you can't. So, but we've cre- we've created these things, and there's two modes to it. So easy mode, for example, you if you lose hit points or if you lose characters along the way, people from your gang die or get hurt, at the start of the next encounter, everything's replenished and off you go to the boss. In hard mode, you have to think about it in a different, in a different way. There's a different strategy to it because... If you lose hit points, or if people die, they carry forward. And you no, might right, go okay. to the boss with seven or six or five characters, and you've still got to try and do it. So you yeah. change the, the tactics of it just by creating two modes. And it means that people have the choice. It's not foisted upon them. They haven't got to play hard mode. They haven't got to play easy mode. You know, whatever works for them in their meta gaming group or whatever, it's, you know, they can choose. And... And we've created some fun in there as well. We didn't we didn't want the same old thing where it was kill this person or you know chase this person off the board or whatever else. We've we've created some things from our childhood in there as well. So I don't know if you played it at, at school. Um, it was a I think it was called uh, Knock on Wolf. And the idea, right. or what time is the wolf? And the idea is you all the yeah, mates yeah. would stay at one in the playground and the other guy would in. So Stevie, yeah. who's our blind pianist, um. He's basically, you put your characters one on the board and you put him the other and you move forward. And if you roll a one, he spots you and shoots at you because he hears you coming. Oh, right. Okay. And you've got to get yeah. to him and t- and get into base contact with him. And if you can do that without dying, you gain him and he joins your faction. Um, another one, for example, is where we demonstrated it recently where you just try and drink Mike under the table. You just prop yourself up against a bar and you just roll dice <laughs> just to see if you can beat Mike in a drinking competition. It's the purgatory childishness, but it's just adding something different. And you know, Mark made a really valid point earlier that we considered, which was if you miss a week or if you miss a game, your crew is typically less powerful than the others that played that week in Necromunda or Mordheim or Gorkamorka or something yeah. like that. The idea of this small encounters is that you can, if you haven't got a lot of time, you can just play an encounter and go, don't worry, we've got those characters for the next time we play. And then you can do it slowly or you can do it in one hit, but you've got a variety of play. And the community gave us that idea because they asked for something different. They said, we like your game, but we just don't want competitive play. And, And we didn't, I'm not saying we're stubborn. I didn't, I don't want to, turn a skirmish game to a board game overnight 
but I wanted to try and find a way that I could tailor it to do that. Um, and it, and the idea, like I say, came from people that might be listening to this this podcast. Yeah, I think um, I think you have to be flexible nowadays. I think we're in the um, we're kind of at a funny point where I can see the hobby trying to embrace kind of digital, mm-hmm. and I also see sometimes them bringing out kind of um, game systems, not necessarily kind of here's a fully fledged board game. And I think um, I think you're in a I'm going to see you probably in a better position maybe than Games Workshop in terms of your flexibility probably for both of you in that you could take an idea and put it out there and it's going to take time I guess um, to do that but then you're not obviously committing I guess the financial the huge financial risk to putting somewhere out there to get it played um, and obviously you've got your champions there as well who are going to continue to to work with you and get your kind of get your feedback um which is cool let's um let's talk about this campaign that's going to be rocking up mm. on the first of march so do you want do you want to tell us a little bit about it mark um, yeah get yeah get get you back yeah no problem um so we sat down as, as we said earlier we were we were we were chewing the fat about we were both going to be going back to Kickstarter and we wanted, mm-hmm. we eventually come to the conclusion that we felt that we could um, work together with each other um, to produce two separate Kickstarters, um, but mm-hmm. with a, with a bridge across them that would um, allow both of us to utilize, you know, backers or, or, or you know, um, word of mouth or whatever you want to call it. To, to build mm-hmm. up a bit of momentum on Kickstarter because that's you know effectively what it is about as well. It's about building a bit of momentum. Um, so uh, the, the Kickstarter for Mythos is, is fairly clear. It's, it's simple. It's concise. Um, we are wanting to bring the Brotherhood uh, and a brand new faction to to the Mythos world. Um, we, as I said, we've been going to shows. We, we take our art books to shows. People can see the art that we've had done from them. People. Really, really love the, the the artwork. So, um, we the campaign for us is about bringing the Brotherhood, like I say, to, to the to the um, to the world. Um, we um, when we when I chatted with Gary about it, we felt that we could we could do some sort of crossover between the two the two worlds. And there are some models that that can come from Gary's world into into our world, mm. and there are some models that can mm. come from our world into Gary's world, and you know, we'll have mm. further talks about that, you know, as we go down the, the path. But as it stands, we just, we need to create something new. You know, we're, we're gamers as well. We like to have new shinies and new new models. And we, we settled upon a sort of uh, a race of beings that are different in both worlds. So in Gary's world, they're, they're, they have a um, particular name and a particular uh, way of going about things. And, and it's different in mythos. So they're not, they're not exactly... Um, I wouldn't say they're exactly the same race. In, um, we're not going to go that way. We're, we're, we're taking our own directions with it. But you, yeah. if, if you pledge at a certain level with us, which is the crossover into madness pledge, and if you and if you pledge uh, on Gary's um, Kickstarter at the crossover into madness pledge, um, those backers will get the um, model that we've designed, um, and we're going to hopefully put up some stuff about that very very shortly. You will get a multi-part model that you'll be able to bring into both worlds. Um, do you need to pledge on both campaigns, or you just do. pledge on? You, do. you need to pledge on yeah. both campaigns um, at that at the level uh, that we've we've deemed uh-huh. it. Um, and if if you if you're confirmed as a backer on both of those on both Kickstarters post the, the campaign, if we're successful, then you will get that um, that model as a, as a free bit. With the mythos side of things, um, the way that you will be able to bring that into uh, our world is what we are calling a nemesis deck. And it's something that we've done before with uh, another model of ours called the Cultist Leader. Um, the mm-hmm. Cultist Leader was a free model that we gave away to everybody in our original Kickstarter. So everybody that backed at a certain level got this free Cultist Leader model. We mm-hmm. um, brought a, a deck of cards into play for him, which is... Uh, without going into too much detail, in our game, you use Mythos as a sort of in-game currency. You spend it, 
um, to do certain <laughs> things, certain actions in game. Um, by the same token, you're going a bit madder every time you use it. But the, the mechanism for the cultist leader is, or the deck of cards is, to, to they're two faced. On on the front is a, just a, a number, um, four, five, uh-huh. six, seven. Um, and as you spend mythos in the game, once you hit that trigger, you turn over the card, and there's a, a number of actions that you can apply to the cultist leader. So you can bring okay. him into any game of mythos, and he, he acts as like an NPC. He can give you some victory points, and he does various random suicidal, murderous things. Um, and we're going to do that similar. We're going to do the same thing with the, what we're calling the Aluka, um, which is our, our version of the aliens, if you like. So the, the yeah. backer from us will also get the uh, Nemesis deck that they'll be able to run that model in any game of Mythos. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we're also... Um, Gary's kindly allowed us to use Jack as a crossover model. Um, mm-hmm. And he's even had a little bit of re-sculpting done on Jack because um, a massive sort of chainsaw doesn't, didn't quite fit with the uh, the 1920s vibe of, of Mythos. So he's going to be carrying yeah. a, a lovely sacrificial dagger. Similar thing. Um, he's going to be an add-on. Um, and, he, and again, it will be a nemesis deck, so you'll be able to bring him into any game of Mythos as well. So a similar principle to, to, to the Aluka. And then finally for the campaign, we have got uh, a number of stretch goals that we would be looking to um, unlock during the course of the campaign. And that will mm-hmm. bring an, an additional model into each of the existing factions if we fund all of those stretch goals. And so we've got six additional models um, for additional models um, for, for the factions. Um, are, are you going to have um, pledge levels for people who <clears throat> missed out on the, like, the first campaigns? So you're gonna allow um, kind of you're gonna have entry levels to allow people to kind of who, you know, who didn't back a couple of years ago, and I, I take it that be you know obviously both sides for yourself and for Gary. Um, is have you thought about doing that at all? Actually, has to a certain extent. We've done two things. One is that we've created starter sets. So what we realise is that not every, we we can't force one faction upon everybody and expect them to buy it we instead mm-hmm. give people the option. So we have five factions on offer this time around. Mm-hmm. The Soul Train, Murder Inc., Gangbangers, uh, Refugees of Religion, and the Acolytes. So actually people, new people can come to the game and have a broad range to choose from. Exist, we've created a pledge for existing backers. Um, Jason, it was his idea actually, to be fair. He said that, can you make a pledge that gives us everything that's new for those that haven't previously? Mm-hmm. But the other thing that we've done is that because there's so many backers that that supported us previously, they'll go, well, I've got all your models, but I haven't got the encounter cards. Uh, you know, I, I can't benefit from extra content. So what we've said yeah. is that we're going to create these encounter cards for all of the models, and then we'll create a box that we'll sell at cost to people. So all they've got to do is confirm that they were on the original Kickstarter and if they can confirm that, we check, we validate the name against our list. We will send them those out at cost plus shipping so that they that's don't pretty, have to buy more. Really because yeah. it is about it is about generating a following. It's about, you know, we can't expect to be supported by people and people put faith in us without us supporting them back. It's a two-way street. Um, yeah. You know, Mark is is doing something different, but again, it's, it's adding fresh content, and I'll, I'll let him talk about that. Yeah, I mean, as I said, our, our Kickstarter is about our Kickstarter is about bringing the Brotherhood to life, and 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 as yeah. um, and the additional models as as well to to widen out the factions. But we do recognise completely that some people missed out last time on on getting the factions. So what we are doing is, uh, as an add-on, you can purchase at a reduced price any of the existing factions that we've got. So. For mm-hmm. example, our, our, our buy-in level for the crossover into Madness or the uh, Brotherhood faction is £40. Pounds. Um, we mm-hmm. um, will be doing um, the faction box sets, which are normally retail at £45. Pounds. We'll be doing those at £40 pounds as an add-on. So quite yep. simply, people just need to, if they want a, a, a one, two, three, four factions, they just add that to their pledge and we'll, we'll get them out to them when we send out their, the, the Brotherhood. So slightly different way of doing it. Same result with the end of it, um, to a degree, a little bit. And what's the price of entry going to be for your for your pledge level, then, Mark? 
what we're looking um, at to well, get we've got the standard in. pound pledge you know that gets you access to the updates and access to, yeah. to pledge manager uh, then we've got the crossover into madness pledge which is 40 pounds and that's for the brotherhood um yeah. uh, faction and also we'll see across on gary's kickstarter his his pledge and that gives you the free model as well with the nemesis deck and then the final yeah. pledge level we've got is uh, if you didn't want to go in onto the crossover into madness just a straight 40 pound pledge for the brotherhood uh, and any add-ons that you want to add into the kickstarter and how many what well, what are you getting with the brotherhood pledge then how many kind of models are you You're getting, getting and five stuff? five models um, five resin models, um, comes mm-hmm. with bases. The, the way we approach a game, you have a character card, which is an oversized mm-hmm. card, and you get a tracker card as well. Um, so you can track conditions, wounds, sanity. So there's no need for too many tokens or anything on the table. You've got two cards in front of you where you can track everything. So you get those. Um, and there's obviously, um, five highly detailed resin models. That sounds good. What about yourself, Mr. Devereaux? What are we what what is the how much? How much? We we both of us actually I think consciously looked at the price for entry. Um we didn't we didn't want to demand you know over hundreds of pounds for our game. We wanted to yeah. we, we certainly at Purgatory wanted to make it low entry, you know, uh, something that's affordable for people to just get involved and give it a go. You know, it's hard to expect people to pay two hundred pounds or something, or one hundred and fifty pounds something that they've got no idea what it plays like. Thirty quid is yeah. it's you know, still it's still money, but it's not as much, and it might be seen as a more viable option. So, in our box, you get uh, a rule book, you get which will be the version two of it, which will include the cooperative play. You'll get mm-hmm. three models. You get thirteen mm-hmm. um, gift of the gods cards, which is enough for you to play. One of which yeah. is a specific one to the faction box. You get a dice. Yes. You get the stat cards. You get the encounter cards, and that's everything you need to play a game is in one box. We've got a number of pledges. We've got the pound, as as Mark sort of suggested earlier. We have a. The encounters are available separate. They're twenty two pounds. Um, they come yeah. with an encounter deck because the the boss is self playing. It's self automated. And so you have 22 pounds for that, 20, uh, 30 pounds for the starter set. We have a cooperative edition because that's what ours is about, where it's yeah, two yeah, starter yeah. sets and you get, but you both get a rule book. So you can both play and learn. And then we've got one which supports people that have got everything already, but want the new content. And then for okay. new people, we've got buy everything if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's about, it's about adding value. You know, we've talked this evening about the value of our product, the quality of our casting, the, 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 the crossover. We can't give you manufactured models. In fact, we don't even want to. I want to speak for Mark. He might say no, but I don't think we want to give people substandard quality models. I think we want to give them high quality models. We're immensely proud of them. So instead, yeah. we've got to find a way of differentiating ourselves from the competition. And that is having models that you can buy and spend £10 on, but play in two gaming systems. Um, it's yeah. it's having characters that can appear in two different worlds. It's having a game that has multiple modes. It has a game like Marks where you get fresh content that allows you to play different scenarios. It's about giving what we can and adding as much value as we can without typically, you know, taking out huge bank loans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And and you talked about community earlier, and, you know, there's um, we've got a couple of guys that have done some videoing for us, you know, off, off their own back. Got a guy called, uh, Jen's called Dan Chuck over at Infinity Idiots who, who've um, done some battle reports on Mythos. and. You know, I'd urge people to go go and watch those because they do show yeah. the the depth of gameplay, the decision making that you have to make. You know, it's five mm-hmm. models v five models, but because of the models, as in Gary's system, are so characterful, and you know, have so many different rules. How are they interact with other characters? How they interact with you know your opponents or certain scenario or objectives? Um, you know, those those videos really do show. The, the level of gameplay and the level of detail and decision making you have to go into just playing, you know, a, a, a skirmish game. Um, and 
picking up a garage point on the quality, you know, it is, you know, it's what brings people to our table. You know, we're at shows, you know, we've got, we've both got display cabinets that, um, you know, people will wander over to and, 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 you know, we'll have comments like, Oh my God, you know, they're, they're fantastic. They're some of the best models, if not the best models at the show, you know, mm. and getting those, mm. getting the models in front of people, getting the gameplay in front of people, you know, generally, you know, generally turns out they really like it and really love the game. Games. Is it a challenge to get the? Is it a challenge to get the word out? Is this? Is that? Is that the ninety percent kind of question with Kickstarter? Is it less now about kind of presenting an ideal game? Because I am. I don't know about you guys, but I'm continually seeing Kickstarters just getting cancelled. And they're ones that are getting funded, and they're just going. I mean, folk are just turning up and saying, "Well, we're not, we're not doing it because um, we're not going to reach the goal." Even though we've reached our funding goal, we're not going to reach the goal that we expected to get. Um, and we don't. Know, and we're going to come back, and we're going to try and develop more noise and more market. So, is 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 this what the battle is now? It's not necessarily always about the game. You can have the best game in the world, but it's about Kind of shouting above um, everybody else in order to get that kind of in order to get that kind of attention. We can't shout louder than everybody else. You've got you've, you have you have asked the million dollar question because if mm. there were an answer to it, then then Kickstarter would be easy. Getting ex- getting ninety percent of people to to listen to you and to actually stop. In their mid-morning, you know, scroll on Facebook or mm. whatever else it might be, stopping mm. people is either by artwork or by a model, um, not typically by text. But it's, it, I think people are wiser now to the game. I won't name the Kickstarter, but I do know of a Kickstarter where he said, oh, "I'm literally going to completely undervalue things to make it so that it funds because I then want because it's about the momentum. If it funds and people see stretch goals getting smashed through, all of a sudden they see loads of value coming their way. They're now getting fifty models for their money rather than twenty, and yeah, said, yeah. and then once it reached you know forty, fifty, sixty thousand, whatever it might be, that's where I'll start to make profit. But the problem is if it funds at the value you set." He just cancelled it because he said, "Well, I didn't get any. I didn't. I didn't make enough money out of it." I think you have to. We 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 were talking. I mean, I, I freely I freely showed Mark my commercial model this evening just to say, "Look, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve," and mm. and it's all things considered. And and when you when you write a Kickstarter and you have to guess how many people might buy it, it's incredibly difficult to know what your costs are going to be. So there's yeah, a mechanism exactly. that I apply that says if you if I want this much money because these are my other costs, how many do I need to sell of that to then – and what's the associated cost of sale to then build that number back up and back down again, and it drifts. And it's incredibly difficult, yeah. but I think people have got wise to – I mean, some people haven't received Kickstarter still. They backed two or three years ago. I think <laughs> – yeah. Or probably aren't going to be receiving Kickstarters uh, that they back two or three years absolutely. ago. Absolutely, and and I find that I find yeah. that disgraceful actually, um, and that's, that's a personal view. But if if people like Mark and I can can give up personal time and we can we can absolutely work, you know, to the grindstone to deliver these for people, and we're individuals mm. or we're small teams, there's. It's incredibly frustrating to see the amount of momentum and hype that some companies get only to fail their backers. We we won't do that, um, and I think, but I think people are wise to it. I think people now question certain things. We talked earlier about the, you know, the the cast versus the three D render. Yeah. They've also started to start sort of question now. Or is that value even achievable? You know, how many units do you need to sell? The the Kickstarter community's yeah. got wise to it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's about having a sensible approach to mm-hmm. what you can deliver. You know, um, yeah. Anybody can, and I use it. And I'm not casting any aspersions against anybody else. I'm just using a hypothetical. Anybody, anybody can create a Kickstarter which says. Pledge at this level. This is my target, and you'll get you'll get this. You'll get X. You know, and we're going to give you X for free, and you're going to get Y for free. And uh, you know, 
uh, rightly or wrongly, ours is not going to be a Kickstarter like that. It's, it's, it's very contained. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a faction plus additional models. We know yeah. we can deliver that. If we fund, um, and you know, we do unlock the stretch goals, we know that we will be able to deliver those. Um, you know, we've got the production facilities in place. We've got, you know, the pipeline is fully, is fully done. So, but we're not going to be promising everybody the earth. You know, we've, we've done as much as we can in regards to the free model. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have hundreds of thousands of pounds to spend on marketing or anything like that. But we know if we fund and hit our targets and hopefully if we unlock the stretch goals, we will be able to deliver those. You know, we've got a proven track record. Both of us have got proven track records on Kickstarter and being mm-hmm. able to deliver, you know, but that's because we've taken a sensible approach of what is pragmatic mm-hmm. and what we can deliver in the timelines. You know, all timelines is another thing, you know. Being sensible about timelines, you know, Gary and me, we're, we're looking sort of towards the end of the year, early part of next year, we will be delivering, you know, um, upon, you know, if we're successful at the, at the in the campaigns. One thing we're going to mm-hmm. do um, is we are going to upfront, right from day one, show you what all of the stretch goals are. So that if you want to pledge, and this is where the mechanics of Kickstarter kicks in. So if if a, if, a, if a backer wants to go in and say oh, oh, they want to get the Brotherhood, they want to get an additional faction, and they maybe want to get you know the two additional models that goes with both of those factions, and if they pledge at that level at that time, then if everybody does that, do you know what I mean? It, it, that's what builds the momentum. Yeah. That's what unlocks. Yeah. That's what unlocks stuff. Um, so I'd urge people if they you know if they if they want to pledge, then you know that that's probably the way to do it. But and that'd, be down, that'd be down to every individual. Well, I mean, I can only wish you the best of luck with both of the campaigns when they when they kick off at the beginning of of next month. If people have listened along and uh, they want to know where you guys exist on the internet webs, where do you exist on the internet webs? We know where Gary exists. I can tell you, but where do you exist, Mark, on the internet um, webs? Where okay, we've got. We've got, um, we are at, uh, Facebook. We're at, uh, Par- just type in Paranoid Miniatures and you'll get us on Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. our website is www.paranoid-miniatures.com. Um, it's a fancy new website there. Um, we are at, on Twitter at Paranoid Minis. Um, we, as Gary mentioned earlier, we've got our fan page, which is called We Are, We Are the Hidden Ones on Facebook as well. They're, they're all our main Facebook is our, one of our main vehicles for for releasing stuff. We uh, tend to release stuff a little bit earlier on. We are the hidden ones to give people a little bit of an insight. It's a it's a fan base. We like to give you know show a bit of loyalty to people there. And um, but yeah, that's that's where you can find us on on, on the interweb. I've just found you, Gary. I've just found you, Gary, and I found you, Mark, as well. So I'm making sure that I'm just going through and making sure we're getting them all down as we go. Um. We know where you are, Gary. Yeah, you just go to the internet webs and type kind of underestimated games and you know, predatory minis I'm and join the on, on 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 Twitter. We are not wizards. We are wizards. We are wizards. <laughs> that's you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's not random. It's not random. It's live. It's by design. It's by design. But absolutely, it's absolutely. What about yourself? Um, you can find me uh, on Facebook. We have fans of purgatory. Um, you can find us on Facebook, just go t- type in, in Purgatory. We are also on the interwebs as www.purgatory-miniatures.co.uk. Um, you can find us on Twitter, which we probably need to be better at, uh, at Purgatory Minis. One thing I would like to say to people um, is that we do have a painting competition at the moment going um, with some fantastic prizes for people. Uh, it's sponsored by a number of different people. Um, it starts on the 1st of March and it ends at the end of June. So if you are interested, go to the pages and, and go and paint one up and, and enter because you can win a huge heap of prizes. What he said, do that. Um, if I've, I've got one final thing I want to say, if that's okay. Um, no. I'm going to hijack Gary a little bit now and he's, he's looking a bit nervous. I don't know no, why. No, no, I'm all right, I'm all right. So one thing that... We talk about listening to the community and, and, and reacting to it. We 
Uh, we've been posting stuff up about uh, the, the Kickstarts for a bit of time now. Um, and one, when one of the guys uh, from Purgatory found out that we're going to be doing sort of like a bit of a crossover um, with Mythos and Purgatory, uh, there's two models that they particularly, this guy wanted to see have a scrap against each other. From both, you know, one from each system. Mm. And I read it and I thought, actually, that sounds like a really good idea. Ran Gary and said, you know, what do you think? Gary being Gary was, yeah, it's on. Um, so we went away and designed, I designed for rules for one of his characters in Mythos. Gary designed yeah. uh, rules for one of our characters uh, in Purgatory. And we've done a Facebook live um, stream where we just mashed them up and had a scrap. And um, we put a poll up and we are going to be doing it again very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the poll that you've got. So I know that St. Peter is representing Purgatory. And Goat. So you had it. Well, the thing is, it's about, it's, it's about community, Richard. We know we, we listen, we, we try and give back. We had this, it was a bit of fun, it was a bit of a laughter. And actually, I'll be honest with you, Mark and I are already talking. I mean, people might not know this, but we're already talking about ways in which we can perhaps stress test those rules that we created for a bit of fun so that another character yeah. can be used in the game. No reason why not. No, that would be that would be really, really smart. That would be really, really smart. As I say, I can only wish you the best of luck with both of the campaigns. You know, because you, you guys, I know you guys work hard and you're kind of, the quality of the miniatures that you're putting out there is absolutely fantastic. And that's not to besmirch anyone else that's putting kind of miniatures out there. Yeah. But if you haven't looked at if you haven't looked at what, what's happening on both companies, check out their stuff because the some of the miniatures are just they're they're fantastic. They're amazing. Um if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, go to the internet web, search for We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on Facebook and Twitter and our website, which is we'renotwizards.com. We're on Instagram as well. Um, we shut down Tumblr today because... And we're still... You can still find us on various kind of internet webs. If you want to read some words by people, some of our guest writers, you can go to we'renotwizards.blogspot.com. There is a recent blog entry from Janice Turner of Ren Games all about what happens when somebody plays your game wrong. Um, you can find us on the normal kind of podcast catchers, which is your Stitchers, your Speakers, your Acast, your Google Podcasts, which is a thing. Spotify, we're on Spotify. Hey, thank um, kids. Uh, yep, absolutely. On YouTube as well. Uh, thanks to Podbean who put our shows on uh, YouTube every single time that we make them. If you like what you've listened to tonight, do a couple of things for us. Check out what these guys are doing. If you like what you've listened to tonight, tell somebody else about it because that's how our podcast grows. And the other thing, you can go to the Apple Podcasts and you can give us a subscription, you can give us a rating, or you can give us a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or review, uh, don't give us 10 stars because it makes me big-headed and I've got a big, <laughs> shiny head. I'm just seeing in this camera. It's quite. I'm going to have to flower this thing up later on or don't give us one star because it makes us cry like my receding hairline but give us something in the middle like a five because it's average and we're just a little bit of a little little tiny 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 little bit average um but the gentlemen have not been average tonight i give you mark i give you gary thank you very thank much, you very much thank you thank you, you thank in you the <laughs> um, and there's only a couple more things to do the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards are we wizards gentlemen no definitely not and the second thing is to say goodbye so it's a goodbye from Mark say goodbye Mark goodbye it's a goodbye from Gary say goodbye Gary bye bye and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. Check out the show notes uh, when this goes out because um, there'll be links to the campaigns and all the other places where you can see these places, worn out faces, worn out places. But until the next time, whether you be searching for something to do with Cthulhu or you be looking for something that could be heaven or could be hell or whether you're looking for something in the middle where they're meeting, and there's tentacles flying and halos and pitchforks and everything's just going bat crazy, then check out this.
But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm -hmm.